Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neary. Well, hey everybody, it is Lisa from True North Homeschool Academy, and I'm here once again with one of my daughters, Kendra Vitito. So hey, Kendra. Um, so we're doing a cross-country Zoom meeting. I love it. I did a couple of podcasts on when your homeschool gets derailed about our house fire and some of the crazy things that happened that year. We had some really significant family deaths, and it was a really crazy couple months, um, many months, many, many months. Um, and we had, yeah, a couple years, we had a lot of downloads on that. And I asked Kendra if she would be willing to do another podcast with me about a traumatic event that happened in her life when she was 14 and how we homeschooled through that and kind of what that meant for her. So Kendra, thanks for joining me again. <laughs> so glad you're here. Um, do you want to just jump into the story? Or do you want me to? <laughs> it froze. I know you froze. Okay. So, um, yeah. That, and that was a great segue into this whole thing. When homeschooling gets derailed right there. That freezes. Kind of <laughs> Time itself stops. It freezes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to set the scene and then you can jump in to kind of tell about it. But um, so when we, after we moved to South Dakota, I was in a master's program to get my marriage and family therapy degree. And um, we, we had gone, I think we had gone to some friend's house in the morning um, that we'd been in a co-op with all, all year. And we had a great time. Everybody was out playing and we got in the car. You mm -hmm. guys, my oldest daughter was driving. You were in the passenger seat in the front of the van. Mm -hmm. um, our other three kids were in the back of the van. And then we had a friend with them because he was going to go to our house and fish. And you guys dropped me off at the seminary where I was taking classes and you started driving home. And then on the way home, you were T-boned by a, um, a big truck. <laughs> Pickup truck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a big truck. I think our truck might be a little bit bigger than that one was, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. The truck that you have now, but it was, it was like a V8 engine and you guys were in a minivan and you were in the passenger side in the front seat. And what happened was the seat belt popped out and that screw scalped you and the front part of your brain, or, or I mean, it, it the seatbelt cover, you have your plastic cover with seatbelt and there's a bolt underneath of it to hold it all together. That plastic part popped off. Yeah. Right. And it, and it basically scalped your skull. Mm -hmm. And so you were in bad shape. Um, <laughs> and, and you had no parents with, with you. So yeah. our oldest was driving, you were 14, all the other kids were younger and we had a guest in the van and the, the sliding door of the van got ripped off and thrown. You guys were spun around and you ended up in a parking lot and immediately, um, people called, um, the police, the ambulance came, but the police was stayed there with our two little kids and you were, medevac by helicopter, obviously, um, because you were bleeding from your skull and you, the car was spinning. So there was blood everywhere. Um, but they also took by ambulance, our oldest daughter and, um, our third. Yeah. yeah. So, um, three of you went to the hospital, one by helicopter, two by ambulance. And our two younger kids were there on the scene of the accident. My husband came, we were in the same building at the time and he came up to, I was actually doing therapy with clients. He knocked on the door and I immediately knew something was wrong, stepped out into the hallway. And he said, there's been an accident and they had to helicopter one of the kids. And I said, who was it? And he said, I don't know. And I said, are they alive? And he said, I also don't know. And he said, um, someone's going to drive you to the hospital and I'm going to go to the scene of the accident and pick up the little kids. And so his, his coworker drove me to the hospital, which was like a miracle. We got there without being killed ourselves because she was so flipped out. I mean, she was, I, I mean, it was, woman, but yeah, yeah. Nobody knew what had happened. Nobody knew if we still had five kids, 
I told you I was going to try not to cry during this. One. Okay. Tears are very healing. <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, it's been over half your lifetime ago, but I will say it was as a parent, it was one of the hardest afternoons of my life. A parent should never have to bury a child or feel as if they have to bury a child. Yeah. That's probably the ultimate test, in my opinion, as being a parent. Yeah. So we got to the hospital and I went in alone and I went to the desk and I said, one of my kiddos is here. And they said, go to that little room. <laughs> I thankfully had no idea that that little room is where they go, send you to have a talk with the chaplain about your kid dying. And, um, I, I wasn't allowed to see you. Um, so I went to the little room and waited, and then they finally let me in to see you. And you had a turban wrapped around your head and you had blood everywhere and you were awake. Um, you were not dead. Thank God. Um, I'm very awake. You were, you were very awake. The thing that really scared me when I looked at you was that your eyes were completely red. Yeah. Like they weren't just red bloodshot. They were internal bleeding. Like you red. had brain bleeding. And yeah. I looked at you and held your hand and you said, mommy, why are you crying? And that, I just, remember that vividly. Was, I'm in our school. <gasps> <laughs> that whatever I was. I don't want to work in our school. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm not okay. I was totally undone at that point. And, um, but thankfully I was allowed to stay with you for a few more minutes and then they were going to sedate you. Um, well, the, the nurse, and I believe the surgeon actually came out and prayed with all of us together because he prayed over every single one of his patients. Aww, I don't know if you remember that as well, but the nurse said, well, we'll pray with, pray with her. And I think he offered to pray with you as well. And you were, yeah, as every mother would be sobbing. Well, we, they asked me to go back to the little room. And by that point, um, our pastor and some friends had come and, and my husband had come and, um, and the neurosurgeon came in and said that part of your scalp had been, you had been scalped, literally part of your, of your skull had been ripped away from the rest of your skull and they needed to, they needed to remove it because it wasn't yeah. sterile anymore. And you had glass literally on your brain. So Everywhere. they had to vacuum your brain, which is a weird thing to say at this point. Um, <laughs> It is fun was, to mess with people. Well, my brain's been vacuumed, but I, never I know, like, right? Broke a you know, bone beyond that. What? What? What's one thing you've done? No one else has done. <laughs> I'm my brain vacuumed. This yeah. is why I love cleanliness so much. <laughs> the yeah, and and for like a year later, you were literally like you'd have an itch, and all of a sudden you have a piece of here, glass in your hand. Yeah. yeah, all over um, here, all over this side, all yeah. over the side of your head, and so they, they took you into surgery and I got to walk up with you. And the nurse said, don't worry. It was actually this beautiful hospital. That is, um, a Christian hospital. The nurse said, we pray over the operating room. We pray over every patient. She is going to be okay. And that was from the first time I got the news to her saying that was when I finally felt like it is going to be okay. Like yeah. I felt really, really peaceful at that point. And, um, you went in and had surgery and, um, and we had so many people come that night, um, from work, from church, from the homeschool co-ops that you, and had anointed you with oil. I think you might've broken out in a little cross it on your is. forehead, <laughs> but the doctors were surprised that you didn't have very much swelling. They let you go after a day and a half. I was like, no, 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 no. She's not ready <laughs> to come home. <laughs> she had this major frontal lobe head injury. Um, but they let you come home and then we continued homeschooling. And so that was, you were 14. It was the spring of, were you 14 yet? Or were you still 13? It was 2005. I was 14. I was going to be 15 in a month. Okay. A month and two days. Yeah. You're, you're tall too. And so everybody thought you were an adult and you were, yeah, they're like, you're 18, right? No, it's my, <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh, you have head injury. I'm like my birthday is August 29th, 1990. I'm five, seven or five, eight, nine, not pregnant. Right. Right. But you I'm were tall. It. Everybody yeah. thought you were an adult woman and you kept saying you wanted your daddy. And they were like, mommy, oh, gosh, mommy. she's got a brain damage. No, she's a child. And then the next day, um, this is kind of funny. I think it was actually the next day they came in and asked you what grade you were in. And you were like, I don't even know. And the doctor was like, oh man, she's got brain damage. And the nurse just looks at me and she goes, I think she's homeschooled. 
It's like, yeah, I'm homeschooled. We don't want to go by grade. We go by mastery. Hello. So that was, that was like a big deal. It was, it was not a little deal. We, um, we went to look at the van afterwards and it was there. The fact that you got out of that car and walked was a miracle. The whole front part of that side where you were sitting was smashed into the middle console. I don't know. They had to use the jaws of life to get the door off. Um, the, the sliding glass door was gone. All the windows were shattered. The fact that everybody came home after that literally is nothing short of miraculous and you were okay. I mean, that was the thing. Like we, I've been to tell you about this twitch, (laughs) but that Thanksgiving, I just remember going, you know, we could, we could be one person less at this table. It was such a great gift that God allowed your life to be spared in that accident. And, um, I think that really changed some things. And we, as we homeschooled, did you feel like it did, or did you notice things? Um, I remember really noticing how people treated me a lot. Like I remember talking to dad, we watched, um, uh, return to me. That was one of my favorite movies after that. And, um, watched, I watched that one over and over. And there's a part, she goes, people treat me like I'm broken. Like that was, I felt very big, you know, people treated me like I was broken or I would get, when you do co-op, I would get ignored a lot especially after the accident and they'd be like well I don't want to hit you feelings but you were just in a car accident and I was like I don't think you understand how stubborn and hard-headed I am like, <laughs> like try me like the nurse said walk and I walked to the toilet literally hours after the accident I yeah. mean that's just probably well, not safe and it's given my dad a few heart attacks as I've gotten older but you know like yeah, yeah I mean you're going to say something that's just I'm just a determined person well I think you, it did like, to me, that's why I was like, I didn't want them to send you home when they did, because mm-hmm. you were so, you had bruises over your that's entire true. body Yeah, and you, they kept taking you back for x-ray for your arm and for your leg. And there was nothing broken, yep. um, but you were bruised pretty significantly. Plus you had this major trauma to your head and they had had to remove part of your skull. Now, right. the odd thing about that is they were like, this is the, this is the best place to have this kind of injury because the muscles are so thick here that it's actually thicker than other parts of your skull. So if we had to choose, this is what, this is the spot. Ideal location. Um, yeah. But you, it did just feel like you were so fragile and we, that first night we, you had been discharged. We were still in a hotel close to the hospital. And it was like, everybody, Kendra gets the bed. Everybody else was on the floor. Because I remember Derek going, I was hospital too. I was so I'm tired. Well, I was just so worried. Someone's going to hit you or kick you or you were so fragile. And the other kids were too. It was very, it was, I, I wanted on the blade of a knife. It was like, everybody was just, um, <sighs> like emotionally, physically, mentally, psychologically, everyone was, yeah, that was the max. Yeah. And yeah. just a word about seatbelts. So our friend who was in the car, he was in the second seat in the van with his tackle box and the sliding door on the van got ripped off. His tackle box was found 150 feet from the car. Everyone in the car has seatbelts on. And if they hadn't, they would be dead or they yeah. would be maimed or damaged beyond belief because that car spun and was spinning and it was crazy the truck that hit us split he couldn't stop it was there were tires tire tracks in the road there was no sudden stopping so once you're ejected out of that seat what a lot of people don't realize i work i'm married to someone who works in automotive yeah a lot of times those deaths if you're not killed on contact with the concrete you're hit by somebody else so it's you know, or you, you hit something that's yeah. something to keep in mind. Like, you know, well, yeah. we're, I mean, obviously husband's an automotive, so we always do seatbelts and we'll always, but always. Yeah. yeah. So I just, apply, even though it was the seatbelt that was the damage to your head. However, if you hadn't been strapped in, um, I would have been brain damaged and flung from the car. <laughs> right. Exactly. It would have been even worse than, than it yeah. was. Um, so I think the, and the other thing too, you had gone to a youth group that year, 
um, after the accident and you were playing ultimate frisbee in the, in the auditorium with like a hundred other kids outside. Yeah. And the frisbee outside. hit you in the head. Yep. Um, it was and outside. You. <laughs> and you, I mean, it was, it was terrifying. Like I stayed in the room. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you, there was this sense of, to me, you were fragile. Like I, I felt super protective of you and I'm pretty tall too, but you're a little bit taller than I am. I but, can't hide behind you. <laughs> you cannot hide behind me, honey. But I did feel like nobody touched my girl because you needed to heal. You know, like I just, I wanted you to be like safe and cared for and nobody mess with you. <laughs> don't look at her. Don't touch her. Don't talk to her. Yeah. Cause there really. was that sense but. of life was so fragile yeah. and, um, and it really shook all of us because we could have been burying people after that. We could have buried everybody mm -hmm. and um, we could have certainly buried you. And so I'm so thankful for modern medicine and the helicopter and mm -hmm. brain vacuums and um, all the things and for antibiotics, because that was a secondary concern is that um, if they could, if they could close and contain the injury that your brain would become infected. And so yep. um, that was also a big concern, but and for glue, because as it swells, that glue actually expands and contracts. Whereas with stitches up there, it can cause internal right. bleeding and re, you know, re-injury. Right. So, um, so mm -hmm. modern medicine clearly saved your life. And I'm so grateful. Um, we're a pretty crunchy family and we're all about vitamins and dynamic greens and all the things, but, um, modern medicine saves lives. <laughs> That's just the bottom, bottom line. Um, so I do think that's interesting that you said you felt like people treated you differently because I certainly viewed you differently. Like, okay, everybody stand back. <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, I didn't realize that you felt that way. So that's interesting. Um, and it just felt like I didn't really want to push you with school too much either. I just felt like you just take a year or two and just. I'm saying that. And I went to the portrait. I'm so bored. <laughs> Really? And that's what's wrong. I'm like, I definitely want to let me do school. I'm going to walk by myself to the river. I did I not did. that. See, I was trying to. I was like, go breathe. Yeah. Go pray. I was trying to like, just give you space to get. And I see, I didn't know well, that you felt so bored. That's but I mean, as a girl too, like, and not to get too, too much. I had started my cycle not too long before that. Yeah. So that's a lot of, I mean, even the doctor was saying, if I don't know if you remember, but he goes, well, you're five, seven and a half. You probably won't grow anymore after this, you know, cause your body is going to take all this energy to heal, yeah. you yeah. know? And I'm like, and I grew an inch and a half more and now yeah. I can't find genes that fit. Yeah. But you know, that just those hormones on top of all that, I don't think a lot of people yeah. You don't think about that because you're thinking about the head injury. You know? Right. Right. But it was, you still, it's yeah, you still grew a couple inches. I didn't, I, did. I didn't mm -hmm. remember that. So yeah, we were in the midst of, um, okay. So you felt a little bored. That's interesting. Um, and we tried to do, we were really a, an interactive homeschool family. Like we did a lot of read alouds together. We always did a morning time together, not necessarily morning basket, but we, but it, it, in effect, it was like, we did memory work or Bible reading or whatever, pretty much community homeschooling for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, people had their own subjects, but it felt like, I just didn't want you to feel like overwhelmed with academics. And, mm -hmm. um, so maybe that was, I should have checked in with you a little bit better. <laughs> That's understandable though. There was a lot going on. There was a lot. And we had a big family. We had, we had seven people living in the house at that time. So we had kids from preschooler to getting ready for college all in every stage yeah. and age. And, um, and I, used and it was to always, summer too. So, I mean, it's not like we would just jump right back in, you know, there's a yeah. lot of, yeah. Taking into consideration. I think, I think that was during the time when we were still doing like our really big garden. And so, mm -hmm. um, we would, we would often go outside and garden together and one of us would read, um, while yeah. the rest of us weeded and stuff like that. We had a couple kids who really loved that time. And one in particular <laughs> who hated doing the gardening thing and he still doesn't really enjoy it. So, um, so that was always interesting. Ethan just really can't stand yeah. to get his hands that dirty. Are you saying I should get him plants for his birthday? <laughs> 
he he likes plants. He just doesn't air plants. Gardening. Air yeah. plants and dirtless plants. You dirtless plants. There you go. That that's actually funny. I might do that. <laughs> you know, get the air plants and stick them in seashells kind of thing. I know we actually did that. They're really beautiful. Um, so <clears throat> is it, was there anything else that really stood out to you after that accident for the next year or two, or did you feel like you had fallout past that? Or, I mean, this was, this was like a serious traumatic head injury to your frontal lobe. We, you're, you've always been a really organized person. Like you have gifts. I used to, you're a little bossy too. So I used to always say you had gifts of administration, <laughs> which you really is, is really true. You um, need something organized or bossed around to pick me. You're, you're the girl, but you yeah. really do organize and manage super well. I used to always call you my external brain and then you left. So my hair and, you know, things just went, well, <laughs> <laughs> went to rye after that, but yeah, uh, but I don't think that really, I didn't really see anything in you that was like, okay, you're not able to organize or manage anymore. You still had, you are still yourself. Yeah. Although we've had some, we've had other family members who said that they really noticed a striking personality change with you after the accident and before. And I never felt that. I, did you sense that about yourself? I, I, I remember, I remember grandparents, especially saying, I don't smile anymore. Oh. And how quiet I am. Speak up, speak louder. Oh. And I do, I was actually talking with Tony about this um, not long ago because it's, I mean, I have other other health things that I have, um, I manage pretty well, but they're all kind of interconnected. So yeah. like once you're in an accident like that, you kind of have lifelong, yep. you know, or you're like, oh, this is why my body reacted that way or yeah. stuff like that. But, um, you know, I was, I, I, feel like I became much more reserved after that. Um, I saw a lot of inner family turmoil happen during that time. Um, and I think, I think some sibling dynamics came to a head, um, really with me and some other people in particular at that, that was kind of a crossroads with some relationships. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I really like, I sound like a crazy person saying it. I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a nutcase. Like, I mean, I, I listen to the pros outside kind of think That's so much of a nutcase. So that being said, um, before we had the car accident, I very clearly, I'm starting to lose my voice up a bit too. So sorry. Um, when we were driving, I started for no reason, becoming very scared and fearful of, of cars. We're in rural South Dakota. So there's no reason for that. Mm. Scared of passing another car that's minorly ridiculous. There's like one car every 5,000 feet kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember one of those points I, I heard um, internally, like no one else heard it. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, which is Hebrews 13, 5. And um, I was actually talking to a friend, like I'm just, I've been really fearful. And she actually said the same verse and I'm kind of still friends with her. She said, you know, you really should look up Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 5. I really feel it's your life first for this season, mm -hmm. you know, really just cling to that. And um I remember in the car accident, I thought I was dying at one point. Like I heard Rachel screaming in the background and someone else screamed, I'm sorry for saying names, um, and saying my name. And I remember floating upward. And I remember very distinctly, I get kind of emotional about it because it's just, you, as a person of faith, you cling on to certain things. And I remember God saying, I've got you. Like, you'll be okay. I'm holding you in my hand. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You just got to keep your eyes on me. And, um, man, now you got me, <laughs> you know, you just, or, I mean, part of it, we're in kind of an interesting time in life. So just really holding on to that, like, you know, it doesn't matter the noise, the noise outside of that, what else, whatever the chaos, the noise that's going on, what other people believe that's not relevant. All that falls away at the end of the day, God has you in, in your hands. He's not going to let go of you when you cling on to him. It's he can pull you out of that chasm if you hold on to even if it means you know you feel like you're gonna rip his shirt off kind of thing and and he goes but you're not done yet and I remember being sat back down in the seat and then I woke up and Rachel goes I thought you were dead <laughs> and I said I'm fine are you okay and she goes I don't know and then she kind of blacked out and um yeah and I, I remember probably got hit pretty hard too because she had the at least the wind knocked out of her yeah at the very least I mean they, you know, the car was spinning at like, I think Tony did the math and he said like 45 to 50 miles an hour yeah. when he did the math of it because of the, 
speed of the truck and the speed that the van was going trying to get out of the way of this truck. Um, and that's a lot of, obviously that's a lot of speed. You're going to whack a few times right. and then your seat belts, when they pull, you actually do get some internal breathing. Right. Typically not enough to cause internal bleeding. That's why seat belts are safer. Um, but I remember too, like, you know, and, and I was never scared for myself. I knew, um, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. So no, coming back down okay. to you too. No, you're um, not rambling at all. I mean, I think you weren't scared for yourself. One of the things you told me was that you kept checking on everybody else. I did. Are they okay? Are they okay? They're not. And I remember getting in a fight actually when I was in the ambulance, it, or no, the ambulance, the, um, the EMTs from the ambulance helped me. Uh, obviously I, they cut my um, seatbelt off and then, um, Jaws of Life me out, which if, if you have a child, just a little, um, you know, FYI, if you have a child that has that kind of experience at a young age, if they hear that, that sound, the Jaws of Life or an airplane or an ambulance again, check in on them. Because mm -hmm. I remember we watched um, the one movie about the little girl who lost her arm to the shark. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I cannot remember. I'm blanking on it. Um, I am too. But I know exactly which one you mean. Um, and they do the Jaws of Life scene. And I remember watching that movie and I couldn't breathe. Like really? dad goes, breathe. <laughs> well, I, like, I do just, remember you, being in the car with you. Yeah. Every time we'd go back that by that corner, you literally would go. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That so that's a, yeah. that's a good point. Like there's muscle memory. And I mean, it's not. If you've had a traumatic event, um, and one of the things we talked about is I'd had a traumatic life-threatening event at 14 as well, the, kind of the same time frame. We both have August birthdays. And um, it's just interesting to me when you have a deep trauma and you have a PTSD, like, you know, yep. in the DSM and you have dreams and all that kind of stuff, when you experience something of, that's like a a sound or something that reminds you of it, you're going to probably have some kind of trauma response. Yeah. So if you have kids in a traumatic experience kind of thing, yeah, check in on them. Be aware of that. Check in, remind them to breathe, you know, and yeah, that can tell you're not touch their hands. That's a big yeah. thing. Like, yeah. you know, I really cling to my dogs because not as much now, but you know, we've had house fire and death and my lab, especially she's kind of funny. She'll come up and she'll stick her head on me. Like, okay, you need to face and she's back into reality. Like, yeah. right. Um, well, yeah. animals are good. Pets are really good for that. Um, okay. So, um, I, and the other thing too, this, so all of our kids were in different places after the accident. Um, our oldest son, our third kiddo got out of the car, unbuckled our Hannah and Ethan and our friend, and they actually held hands in a circle and prayed over everybody. And, um, that, that was really sweet. Like our kids immediately went to prayer, which, um, really made me so happy that when you feel like you're out of control and there's nothing you can do, you can always pray. Yeah. <laughs> you can always pray. Yeah. Um, and God is faithful to hear and answer our prayers. Um, but it sounds like you were having a conversation with them during that a time. Bit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so. I didn't, I hadn't heard that whole piece of the story yet. So, um, that's really touching. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we had a few more years with you because, <laughs> She's got lots of grandbabies. I know. Well, yeah, you. you know, your kids are your biggest gift in life after salvation and, and a spouse that loves the Lord and to, to have a thought that you might lose them is, is a horrible thought, you know, I mean, and we can't, we can't live in fear, but, um, it's a pain we don't want. <laughs> no. Um, so, um, okay. So. I, I'm not really sure, like, I, I don't know that we have like a really great point for people who are listening other than to say, you know, I, I, that I don't want to diminish what we're saying at all, because I think it's an important story that needs to be told that, um, no matter what you're doing in life, but especially if you're homeschooling, things are going to happen. Trauma, trauma comes and you don't really have control of it. You might not know when it's going to happen but God is in the midst of it and people get through it. I mean, you graduated from, from high school, you went on to cosmetology school. You were the number one salesperson at your school month after month, after month, after month, and are married, happily married. 
and have two beautiful little kids and a whole bunch of animals. <laughs> they keep coming. I'm like, please, God, stop. They keep Are coming. Joey, if you're a friend, a fan. Why, God? Why? <laughs> it's, but it's interesting. Go, Here's one more. <laughs> I don't have people giving me animals. Funny how that works. <laughs> they just find the house. I'm not kidding. Well, I think too, you know, it's about that. We've talked about this in another podcast youtube you know it's about being lenient too i mean what are your what are your kids needs it's a big bonus of homeschooling like what is your need as a parent that's very traumatic to you as a mother as a father a brother or sister um what is your child need or what do you need as the child being homeschooled Mm -hmm. and i think too one thing that you know you and dad have really instilled in us and I remember dad saying all the time communication 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 are you communicating communicate but you're not communicating yeah girl but you know that that communication is very very important for everybody and Mm -hmm. as a parent that's your responsibility but it's also a gift that gift of communicating and as a child that's also that's their responsibility but that's also a huge gift like well I don't feel good today I have a headache today I you know, I need to go on that walk by myself and not feel like I have someone holding my hand all the time. Yeah. Right. You know, um, um, I blogged about him actually, our horse Bree that we got not a, a year, a couple years after that, a year and yeah. a half after that, not terribly long. Um, he really, you know, it, and I guess this goes to the whole dog thing, but like he was, I felt played a huge part in in my confidence too. Like when you, when you're in an accident like that, your confidence really kind of gets kicked in the gut. Yeah. And I think confidence is a confusing thing and a very difficult thing to instill and teach your child, especially girls, especially in today's society in a healthy. And if you're a person of faith, a godly and Christian way, because there's confidence and then there's pride and then there's ego Mm -hmm. and how to be a confident, strong person who has their faith and is confident in their God, you know, that's something that really by having Brie, it's, you have this much larger, bigger creature, mm-hmm. you know, but as they say, if C.S. Lewis says, well, he's not tame, but he's good. Like that horse had a mind of his own. Like you could, I mean, at, your horse is in Parker walking main street again. Like, you know, he was also he was so good. Gentle horse. So I good. just remember when we first got him, um, and actually we got him from BJ Preyman, who was one of our teachers at True North. Um, BJ, if you're watching, please send me any info you have on him because I'm trying to recollect it. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when we had first had him that summer, um, Ethan was, I think four or five and mm-hmm. he was just out hanging out with Bree, walked under him, which I was, I saw from afar was like, Oh my God, <laughs> Bree did not even flinch. He just was the most gentle kind horse and, and a little bit older. And so he, he probably didn't care anymore. He was just like, it, life goes on. Right. Yeah. But that's interesting. You say that the, that Brie had such an important part to play in your building in building your confidence, because I he do huge. Yeah. He was I like mean, a 16, six and a half hand. He was a tall, we have a 15 hand, all of 15 hands. And that was before he was being weight horse. He was much taller than yeah. our guy. Much, yeah, much taller. Right. Like he was a big dude. He was a big horse, um, but super gentle. And I forgot about that, that, um, and, and we, we've had a dog for years and the dog yeah. that we had at that point was your dog. Um, Ur- uh, we got Ursa, we had Diamond at that point. We got Ursa yeah. in 2000, in January, 2009. Right. But I do think, I mean, both of those dogs, Ursa in particular, but Diamond too, um, she was super protective of, yeah. of the kids and part of it was her breed, but she was just like, you're my people. And so that, you know, I think pets really can bring, um, I think that year she stopped because she would wander, she was in a key and she would kind of wander and bring back deer heads and anything from field dressing from the hunters that year. I don't remember her wandering at all that year. Like she was pretty much, she stayed at the house. Yeah. Um, and I think just having, I also think, you know, that you're asking about homeschooling, um, I think us having the ability to be out on an acreage or property or having that place where we can walk in nature. Like I know the big, one of the big clip terms now is grounding, you know, barefoot. I grew up barefoot. I mean, yeah, you know, and I know Derek was, we call them a hobbit because he was barefoot all, you know, except for winter, but all year long, like that's just, yeah. 
that's what you did. And, and when you're homeschooling, you're also, you're able to think about things or you choose to, you're taught to think about things logically, like, oh, not why God, why, as I was joking earlier, but more of, okay, this did happen. So now what's the next step after that? That's like, next. yeah, this is, this is kind of a bump or a hole that we're in, but how do we cling, cling to Christ and crawl out of that right. and take this as an experience to move forward and learn from that? You know, and as, as Mary did, hide these things in our hearts and then continue on with life because life doesn't stop mm -hmm. even at death. And I think a lot of people do forget that life, you become alive at death. You know, when you have a near death experience or an experience where you're pulled out of death, whichever of those, you know, I, I joke too, and this is very private and I'm a very private person. So if you come at me, I won't, you know, <laughs> no one, <laughs> but you know, I always, I've always told Tony, like, life is precious to me because I feel like I'm indebted. Like, I should not, and that's where, you know, my faith with Christ comes in as well. Like, you're, you're indebted to Christ because He died for you, but I'm indebted because I'm on borrowed time anyway. And I know, Mom, you've talked about that as well. Like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be walking at least. I remember my neurosurgeon coming in and going, "Well, you're alive, right? Yeah." Now my knee is too. Go good. That means you're alive. Pain's a good thing. That means you're breathing. Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be walking. Yeah. You should not be someone that I've done surgery on. Yeah. And, and having that being told that at 14, I know a lot of people would be a snowflake and like, oh my gosh, like can't say that to a kid, but it's, it's such a reality check for how fragile life is and how, you know, you can make plans. I know a lot of plans for me, my plans in life. Like I had plans to go into the military and that was not going to happen at that point. I had a um, commanding officer actually go, you're crazy. I cannot talk to you anymore. Not you're crazy, but like, I can't legally do anything. Like we couldn't even write you a script because it's head injury. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you, you can make your plans all you want as a person, but at the end of the day, it's life. I mean, yeah. You know, you, you cling on to your people you cling on to the faith that you had, you cling on to your conviction and you just got to keep, pushing forward because yeah. yeah I think I think it's interesting that you mentioned about having going into the military because um you had talked about going into the military from the time you were like eight yeah. like that was a plan that and my plan. your dad was in the military and so it wasn't foreign to you or to our family at all um that was your I plan. was in shape I watched my shape I was did you were in great shape was, yeah always been super athletic and um and coordinated and all those things. And that was a complete derailment because there was no way after, I mean, you're missing part of your school. You yeah. are not going to the military. Uh, you're not deployable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they couldn't even accept me as, as on as inactive. It's a head injury. It's your, he said, you're a liability. Right. Exactly. So you're not in the military, you're a weapon. You're counterproductive. That, that actually did skew a little bit of high school because yeah, that had been your plan. That was your goal. And, and you, I think in some ways you felt a little untethered by that. Like, I did. um, what do you do and where do you go now? And cosmetology school sounds really different than the, the military. <laughs> Let's be honest. You want to talk about different types of people, <laughs> different types of people. That could be a whole other podcast. The kid wants to go to beauty school. <laughs> yeah there's a type that goes to beauty school there's good people but it's not military type of people it's not military and you and our family tends to be a little intellectual um we are we're big readers you're a big reader we love to talk about history and theology and philosophy and all those kind of things and you went into the trades and you were really good at it um you were you know you you chose to leave that to get married and have kids which in homeschool, like all the kudos from this end, right? Um, although <laughs> I still do miss your cutting of my hair. <laughs> I'm gonna be on here too much, okay. The big head, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna just like keep throwing that out there, okay? <laughs> but I do I do think when you have a derailment, um, don't you know, you said this in the last podcast that we did together, give yourself grace. And yeah. I think that's really an important lesson is that. It didn't, you didn't take a year to get over not going to the military. It was a multi-year grieving process of what you thought your life would be and what you yeah. planned on and prepared for. And then, and then it wasn't even like, if you worked harder, you'll get it. You weren't getting it. No, um, it was a hard, hard 
closed door. And I know because I was going to go in and, and then get nursing school paid off. Well, then I tried going to nursing school in, was it 2008? And I got that full. I got a scholarship oh, yeah. to go to a really great school. And I had, I was like going to do the accelerator program. Well, I worked in a nursing home and one of the patients had TB. Yep. And I have latent TB, which is just where, you know, you go on a year and a, a year, 12 months of antibiotics. You have to check in with the health department every year after that. And you, you have TB cells. So basically, since you can't test out of having TB, it became very dicey for that particular school and other schools, any school that I've looked at for going into the nursing program, because I shouldn't be a carrier. It's not, it's not rare, but it's not common either. Right. You know? Yeah. And I do, I, that's an interesting point too, because <laughs> you kept trying to pivot. I just did a whole thing of pivoting last month. That way. I know. And, and isn't it yeah. interesting how God just kept making these hard pivots for you? Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to say you're hard headed. So it had to be hard because I don't, I don't, I believe God is really a good God. Like he's not, <laughs> he's not teasing us. You know what I mean? No, no, but no. I think I'm the same way. I get it. I get it in my head. I'm focused. I'm hyper-focused and hyper-focused, I get it done. Yeah. Um, but sometimes God just has to go hard stop. You're not going there yeah. um, because I have something different for you. I have something better for you, for you. And yeah. I have something better for you for, for other people, like say, Tony, your husband, you exactly. know what I mean? And if you'd gone those other routes, who knows if you, on it anyway, I wouldn't have met Tony probably because he's a tradesman where, you know, he works in automotive at that point. I would have gone to school and been in the military, probably stationed overseas if I had had my way because you know yeah. a little bit of adrenaline isn't a bad thing <laughs> and you know I went on a horse that I never met before bareback like that's what I do <laughs> yeah it, yeah I mean it would have been a totally different story and God does know the plans that he has for you plans to prosper you not to harm you you know right. plans to give you hope in a future yeah and when you have total control that you're not willing to let go yeah you know I think you, you have to be lenient. You have to give yourself grace. You have to either give yourself grace or something's going to snap. Like you can't, it's a pre- pressure cooker system. Right. And, and you took a couple years to get over that. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a like, oh, I, I get it. No problem. It was even a couple years later, you were like, but I had planned this. Like <laughs> I, you know, and yep. um, so I think giving yourself grace to grieve too, because yeah. That head injury, um, it could have killed you and it didn't, but it's also permanent in your life. Yeah. It's it's part of who you are now. And so that determines some things for you. And that grieving, and like we all have stuff in our life like that where something yeah, happens out of our control or our stupidity or whatever, a combination of both, and we have to live with it. And um, and it's okay to cry. Um one, something really helpful somebody told me right after the accident was, um, they asked me how, how I was doing. And I said, I'm doing great. My kids are alive. And I burst into tears and he said, you had a near miss and it's okay to grieve that. Because I think sometimes when you have near misses, the terrible thing didn't happen, but it could have, and you know, it's okay to just cry and, and grieve what might've happened because our brains, you know, we just need to tell our brains it didn't happen. It's okay. Um, my girl's here. And, um, even this is like 15 years later and I'm still getting choked up about it. I think I will, till the day I die, get choked up about it. Because- I think if I can bring a little bit of, I, I always, I always got kind of mad when I was little. I don't know if dad remembers. I used to get mad that, well, why didn't, why didn't Frodo fall into the fire? Like at cause of doom, like, kids and he but he lost his finger you know I think that was a near miss and I think Tolkien does talk about that later like he had that for the rest of his life he carried that with him you know same with Gollum like he carried that with him for the rest of their life and those are two differences of well at the end of the day are you going to wallow in your self-pity and you know well it it should have could have it's mine it's mine it's mine it's mine it's mine it's gonna you're eventually gonna snap like or are you going to be like Frodo and like moving on moving on being very intentional about your grace, the grace that you extend others, the grace that Christ extends to you, and very intentional about you're human. Yeah. I'm human, you're human, we're all human. And like living with humans is hard, yeah. you know, and being human it sucks sometimes. And we're very fallible and we're very temporary in our humanity. And you know, there's 
um, I think some peace in that, but yeah, it's, it's that near miss that would have, should have, could have, and it almost happened. You know, you got by by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. 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 And, and we've, and, and like you said, I mean, we had a house fire, we lost 90% of what we owned. Your husband lost part of a sphincter in a freak accident, yeah. totally not his fault. But these things continue to happen in life. And so, I mean, I think that's why it's so important to just, like you said, go back to, we, we have a creator who is a good God who looks at us with mercy and grace yeah. and says, okay, that, that did happen. I have this beautiful plan for you. Yeah. It's not a, but like that happened, but it's a, that happened. I have a beautiful plan for you. And, and semicolon. Yeah. it's an, and yeah. it's a both. And. and yeah, it's yeah. not a, oh, that happened. So we're going to go to plan B. And I think about that with you in the head injury. I mean, if you'd gone into the military, your life would have been completely different. Totally different. Um, and as a result, our lives would be completely different. You know what yeah. I mean? But God is saying this happened and mm -hmm. I have this over here for you. I think too, like, I think he goes, if I can it kind of jump into, I think it's, you know, I think about, um, you know, the garden of the Gethsemane or Mary and Joseph. And, um, I think about Mary and Joseph a lot, like Tony and I, he's we're if I can say we're, we're Catholic, he and I have some very, we conversate a lot. Like I'm very deeply, deeply rooted in, um, a Hebraic standpoint of looking at the Bible and Christianity. And he's, Tony's very historically grounded. And so we have a lot of conversations about Mary and Joseph and, and I, when things happen, when bad things happen, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, I see, I hear God saying this happened to you and this is bad. And I have a plan for you. And now you can compare, not compare yourself, but now you can put yourself into the shoes of say, John, the beloved more, mm. or Mary and Joseph or, or Jesus in the garden of the Gethsemane. Who's going to put, do I have to take this cup? Like, do I have to, why, why does it have to be me? Right. You know, and God is going, well, do you love me? Do you love me? And really grasping that. Yes. You love God. You can read that Mary and Joseph read that. Mary and Joseph knew, I mean, like, obviously he had, he, he raised the son of God. There's no way that he didn't have some inkling that this wasn't going to go the way he wanted it to. Yeah. Like he probably looked at Jesus and go, you're a really strong leader type person, but you're defiant because he went to the temple when I was told you not to mm -hmm. like, that was probably a hint. Like he's kind of going to take an unconventional route here. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and really having, putting yourself into someone else's shoes. And I say, when something happens, it makes you more human because you can feel, you're able to feel more deeply. You're able to clue into that, like, oh, this is what it feels like to cry blood. This is what it feels like to, to sweat profusely to the point that your core is going, yeah. you know, this is, God has a plan and it's beautiful and it's good. And it's not going to be what you thought at all, but you can really put yourself into the shoes of the people that were closest to Christ. Right. And that's really... I don't know. I really cling to that. It's a gift. It's, it's a huge a gift. gift. Pain is and a I, huge gift. As you, as you, as you become closer to the Lord, mm -hmm. you get to experience more joy and more of the suffering that Definitely. that's what it is on this side. Of exactly. And like you said, dying is just, it's when the real things start happening. So, yeah. um, but I'm glad you're on this side for a little bit more. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> too. For better or for worse. We'll see what other trouble we can get into. <laughs> So I thank you, um, Kendra, for just joining me and telling this story. I don't think we've really talked about this whole piece of our life in this way, intentionally, maybe ever. Um, so I, I love hearing your part of it. And you have always been really steady. You're, you're, you're an adrenaline junkie, but you're a steady person in your faith. And that you've always, you've always told that story about, you knew God was with you. I, I have no doubt. I mean, Sam asked the other day if, if I can take a little longer, but, but mom, how, how do we know God is? And all I can say is, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what, what, what pains you're going to have, what experiences you're going to have, what, um, hardships you're going to have, or what goodness you're going to have. But I know as far as where I'm at, I felt God with me. I knew he was holding me. And I know if you cling on to him, he will never like he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. 
He has you written in the palm of his hand. The word, your name is ever before him. And he knew you in your mother's womb. That's just mm-hmm. not, God put a name on you. Take yeah. it or leave it, you know? Yeah. And, and even if you leave it, person. it's still a truth. It is still. It's still a truth. And even if you leave it, you can still come back and go, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. That's the great thing about God is mercy and grace. He's the perfect combination. Kendra, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, you guys, thanks for joining us for another, another podcast, another YouTube. And again, Kendra, I love you. And um, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. And I just want to remind you that you can find all of our classes and clubs, testing, advising, mom's membership and more at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. We do offer live online, dynamic, interactive, small group classes. So when your students take classes with us, they're not in a, they're not in a Zoom room full of 100 people. We keep our class sizes small so that the students get to know both the teacher and their fellow students. We um, use a lot of different technology to make the classes dynamic and interactive, including presentations, projects, breakout rooms, virtual whiteboards, and more. Um, We like to say that we use time-tested educational pedagogy coupled with cutting-edge technology to bring the best educational opportunities to your students in, in the privacy of your own home. We do provide syllabus and grading for all classes. Um, Clubs are more relaxed, so we don't provide syllabus or grading for those, but you can certainly use our clubs for the transcripts, and we'd love to help you know how to do that. Stay tuned this year for some exciting new um, classes and clubs being offered by True North School Academy. Um, We're also going to be offering an honor club, dual enrollment, and so much more. We are honored to partner with you as you homeschool your children. Again, check out truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. And thanks for listening to today's podcast.